Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in today's journey through history, we're going to venture back on over to Kalamazoo, Michigan, and look at the history of a very unique company that once existed, and they manufactured sleds. It was called the Kalamazoo Sled Company. And I know it's August right now, and it's a little hard to envision the idea of sledding down a snowy hill in wintertime. But this story is kind of interesting, so I thought I'd include it here, even though it's August, and you can look ahead to winter many, many months away. So come along and join me. So the Kalamazoo Sled Company had its earliest roots in the 1870s. Now, from its headquarters on the corner of 3rd Street and Sheldon near the Grand Rapids and Indiana Railroad, the Page Manufacturing Company made wooden components for buggies until 1894. And then, on February 14th of that year, the firm was reorganized under the name of the Kalamazoo Sled Company, and it had a capital stock of $30,000. The directors at that time, back in 1894, were A. Pitkin and J.B. Wyckoff, and the president was H.P. Coffer. By 1905, the company had absorbed a smaller competitor, the Columbia Sled Company, and employed over 100 people, if you can believe it. That's uh, quite a lot of people manufacturing sleds. And the Kalamazoo Sled Company had become the largest manufacturer of children's sleds in the world. It's kind of hard to believe, but that's what it was. Right there in Kalamazoo, they were the largest manufacturer of children's sleds in the world. And so over the years, the Kalamazoo Sled Company manufactured a wide variety of goods from croquet sets to wooden handles for feather dusters to lawn furniture and, of course, sleds. Their Champion line of sleds, which was named Champion, was popular with the young and old alike, and it came in a variety of sizes and styles. The sleek, low racing models were very popular with the boys, while the girls preferred the ornate, high-sided models. So they had all kinds of different models of sleds available to appeal to the different demographics of their audience, the boys, the girls, the adults, and so forth. There was even a baby sled that parents could use to replace the carriage during the snowy months, and it looked like a children's buggy with sleds on it instead of wheels is what it looks like and it's kind of interesting i guess they would use that during the winter time and walk on down the street as they went shopping using the sled now like many other manufacturing companies in the country the kalamazoo sled company had a very difficult time adjusting to production during the period right before world war ii and after world war ii They made a few Arctic sleds that were used for the military troops. And a lot of companies during World War II had to kind of adjust and adapt to try to make products that the U.S. military would buy. And they competed for these sorts of things because that was where a lot of the market was during that time. Because all the men were going overseas and the women were moving into manufacturing positions at home. And there was a lot fewer goods that were being produced for the general 
lifestyle living that was going on before then. And so they were aligning themselves with the war effort with the country. Plus, there was a sense of patriotism behind all of this that was driving a lot of manufacturing during World War II. So although they made a few Arctic sleds for use by military troops, there was a shortage of iron during the war years, and this forced the company to revert to making inferior all-wooden sleds for sale to the public during those years. So during World War II and slightly afterwards, because of the shortage of iron, the sleds made during that period were inferior to what they had been making previously with the metal runners on their sleds. An interesting development happened in the 1950s. The Kalamazoo Sled Company introduced what they called the Champion Flying Disc. And it's a round plastic and fiberglass sled that they actually co-produced with a company called Camfield Fiberglass Plastics Incorporated in Zeeland, Michigan. And then in 1956, the first year of their production of the Flying Discs, they were available in orange and green and retailed for about $6 a piece. The new toy was a huge hit for several years, but when the novelty of the sled itself began to wear off, sales again began to slip. In 1962, the Kalamazoo Sled Company acquired the J.L. Wiener Company, a small toy company based out of St. Louis. At that time, the name of the company was changed to the Kalamazoo Sled and Toys Incorporated. And in the years that followed, the company took on production of certain toys and added a line of high-quality aluminum lawn furniture as well. And the company seemed to be going along pretty well. They were still the largest manufacturer of sleds in the world at that time. And then in 1968, the Gladding Company of New York bought out the Kalamazoo Company and made it a subsidiary in their leisure time products business. And the local management of the Kalamazoo Sled and Toys Company remained for a few years, but in... 1972, the Gladding Corporation decided to do a consolidation, and they consolidated all of its operations to a plant in Maine. And so they ended up closing the Kalamazoo plant after so many years of production of sleds in Kalamazoo. And this also let go a lot of people that were working for the company, unless they were going to make the move to Maine, and I would imagine a few of them did. For the most part, people were out of work in that company or had moved on to other types of manufacturing jobs that were available. So the Kalamazoo iconic landmark of this manufacturing company, which stood on the Crosstown Parkway for more than 75 years, was suddenly abandoned. Um, And this building that once housed the number one manufacturing of children's sleds in the world was now an empty building. And then on April 15th, 1974, an arsonist torched the empty building and it burned to the ground in a spectacular fire that was visible for miles. But it's worth remembering that for many years, a small factory in Kalamazoo was once the largest manufacturer's of children's sleds in the world. And this article came from the Kalamazoo Library and the Kalamazoo History section of their online website. And it was written by Alex Forrest, who was a Kalamazoo Public Library staff. 
and he wrote this in May of 2005, and the article was updated in July of 2005. So sometimes they will put up an article, and then a little while later, someone else will come back and find more material and update the article. So I like that they do this on the Kalamazoo Library site, because they're always endeavoring to create the most accurate story of whatever they're writing about. And it's kind of a neat way to do it where they can actually go through and update their existing blog, you might say, of what's going on. So I really appreciate the resources that they make available on their website. And it's a pretty good library, and they really embrace local history in doing so. So that's the story of the Kalamazoo Sled Company, uh, which later became known as the Kalamazoo Sled and Toys Incorporated before they were acquired by the Gladding Corporation and moved over into Maine. A very interesting company history. And um, and that's going to conclude today's story about this one-time manufacturing juggernaut of children's sleds out of Kalamazoo. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about a couple of upcoming programs that we have at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. There are two events coming up in August for children, and they are children's workshops on history. They are happening on Saturday, August 5th and August 19th, and they run from 9 a.m. to noon, and what it is is $25 per kid. They come, they get to um, learn with the What to Do Theater, and they teach them a little bit of uh, local theater, and they learn about a subject of history in doing so, and then they present that history to their parents at noon in the form of a little play. And then at noon, we also provide them with pizza. So the $25 covers lunch for them as well as the workshop. And it's a fun educational form of learning for them. And they get to be interactive. And uh, each workshop is limited to 25 kids. And the first one on August 5th is about stories from the mill race and they include an elephant that fell into the mill race so it's a lot of fun with that and then the other one on the 19th is about serial cities celebrities so it's going to be about some of the serial box characters and the history behind them and it should be a lot of fun to have kids learn about how tony the tiger became tony the tiger and how sugar bear was chosen and all of these cereal box characters, and then they get to act it out in a play and present it to their parents. And the same thing with the mill race stories. There's going to be stories about how a building fell into the mill race and how an elephant fell into it and a little bit of circus history mixed in with it so that they get to learn a little bit about how circuses were done and, and what happened to the elephant when he fell into the mill race and what happened to the crowd and the whole story. It's kind of a fun story. And they just get to get entertained and also learn a little bit about history and perhaps walk away with a somewhat of an enthusiasm to learn history of other subjects that they're interested in and maybe even gain a little bit of uh, theatrical knowledge from the same experience. So that should be a lot of fun and I will put the links to those workshops that you can check out in the show note description. So if you have some young people uh, they're limiting it to ages 8 to 14 for the workshops. So it's for the, the younger kids. 
And there's only 25 seats available. Some of the tickets have already been sold. So you're going to want to move fast to sign your children or your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews up for this program. And it's just a great summer program. And it's happening at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum in the History Education Center. So they should have a lot of fun with that. And uh, What to Do Theater has been a great group of people to work with. So it should be very entertaining and fun to, to see what the kids come up with as their play. Because they're also going to be designing the play and how they're going to tell the story to their parents. So we're looking forward to that. Mark your calendar for those dates, August 5th, August 19th. And hopefully that will be something that you or some family members of yours can be involved in. And if you would like to reach out to me, you can always find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And send me any kind of message if you have any ideas about future guests. It's been a little challenging to get guests to schedule with the summer months. There's been uh, a lot of folks that have scheduled with me, and then they cancel, and they get back with me, and they postpone. And I have to admit, I have been very much involved with trying to get my book published and get all of the material over to the publisher in the last three weeks that absorbed most of my time. But that is finally in their hands, besides a few details, and there's a couple of photos I've got to track down and get to them uh, this coming week. But other than that, it has been a quite a project, and I'm looking forward to getting to the other side of it and getting to the promotion of it uh, in early next year when the book comes out. And hopefully there'll be some kind of a pre-order link before then, maybe before December, that I can uh, promote and get people to pre-order the book if they want to. I'll keep you posted on that as that develops. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening. <laughs>